telling him with a little practice, he'll, he'll get there. <laughs> we never talk about what, um, well, I don't say never talk about, uh, but we don't coordinate music um, with what I'm going to preach, but it's funny how um, it, it works out that way. Um, you know, we face some difficult times and... Um, you know, one day there's going to be no more night, and there's going to be no more pain, and, and uh, what a wonderful day that's going to be, but we're not there yet. Psalm 142 uh, is where we're going to be. Psalm 142, actually Psalm 142, 143. Uh, Psalm 142 is a prayer of David Psalm, while he was in the cave. Remember when he was hiding out, and everything seemed to be against him, and um, by the way, in case you don't realize this, David um, was, you know, minding his own business, keeping his sheep when Samuel came along. Matter of fact, he wasn't even at the first showing of who's going to be the next king. He wasn't even, even thought of by Jesse to be, even be there. He was keeping the sheep, and, uh, and uh, he was anointed king. Saul didn't like it, and uh, Saul tried to kill him. And it just seemed like everything was against him. He was hiding out in caves. Psalm 142 is a prayer of David while he was in the cave. Psalm 143 is a psalm of David. Um, And uh, I want to preach to you the next couple Sundays on this subject. uh, How to deal with an overwhelmed spirit. How to deal with an overwhelmed spirit. Okay, how many in here in your lifetime, have at least once have been overwhelmed. Yeah, it's not good to lie in church. Um, <laughs> probably you don't have to go back too far um, to, 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 to give an example of a time that you were overwhelmed. Maybe it was uh, something to do with work or something to do with family or something to do with finances. Isn't that always sometimes the... Uh, uh, crux of um, being overwhelmed is is uh, finances, or if we, if you will, the lack thereof of finances and um, uh, relationships. All sorts of things can cause us to be overwhelmed. I wish in life that when one bad thing happens to you, life waits a little while before the second bad thing happens to you, but. We know that that's not the case, and uh, often you uh, are in a time where things are going well, and we call them mountaintop experiences, and everything's going well, you got a jingle in your pocket, I mean everything's uh, relationally is going good, the family is behaving, and everything's just great, and then man, one little thing, it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's like an avalanche, just takes one little thing, and then all of a sudden, a whole mountain comes down. I mean, it's just, and it's, this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. And, you, and everything, everything was fine with your car until something else happened, and now your car's broke down. And then, you know, you're, you're, the, the IRS calls, and you're like, what in, what in the world do they, what do they want? And then this happens, and it, and it seems like sometimes, if we're not careful, even as Christians, even as believers... We can be and we can get overwhelmed in our life. And if we're not careful, we'll allow that overwhelmed spirit 
to drive us down into a place that we, um, we shouldn't be, in a place that um, uh, is discouraging and sometimes uh, can even be depressing. Look with me in Psalm 142. Psalm 142, David prays this prayer. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. What a, what a turn of events in David's life. I mean, I mean, he just absolutely is overwhelmed. It seemed like nobody cared. Everybody was against him. Uh, uh, you remember, uh, I, I, for some reason, not much sticks with me from college or from, um, from high school, but I always remember this little poem. You ever read this poem? Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go eat worms. <laughs> Fat ones, skinny ones, gushy, gushy, gushy ones, worms that squirm and squirm. Some of you are looking at me like you're cra- I'm crazy. But I promise you it is a poem. Otherwise, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have it in my head. But the thing, sometimes you think to yourself, oh my goodness, nothing is going right. I mean, I mean, every area of my life, here David, and by the way, this isn't the only time he's going to face it. He's going to face it in other areas of his life. Matter of fact, a prime example is at Ziklag. When he was at Ziklag and he went away and and, uh, left his family, him and his men went away and left his family. When he came back, everything was gone. His family was gone. Their families were gone. All their possessions were gone. Everything was gone. And Ziklag. Matter of fact, not only was everything gone, but when the men looked around and found out everything was gone, they looked at David and they wanted to stone him. This is, David, this is all your fault. You're the reason this has all happened. And man, you... I'm telling you, it doesn't take much to get overwhelmed. And if you think for one second that you're immune to it, you better be careful. Because you too can be overwhelmed uh, in a series of events, a certain series of events that may happen in your life as well. He says in verse number 5, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Can you see where he started to shift? You see, first of all, he looked around. Man, he looked to his right hand. There wasn't nobody there for him. I mean, he looked around and people were trying to kill him. They were trying to lay a snare for him. I mean, they were trying to deceive him. They were trying to do all these things against him. And he said, listen, I have no refuge. I have no help. There's no man that cares for my soul. There's no man that's there for me. And then there's a shift. There's a shift from looking around to looking up. And he says there in verse number 5, I cried unto thee, O Lord. Listen, in Ziklag, after all that happened, let me tell you what he did. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You see, our problem is often not looking. Our problem is often not looking in the right place. 
He was overwhelmed. And then he looked and said, God, you are my refuge. You are my help. You are a very present help in time of trouble. Verse number 6, attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Can I tell you this morning? You don't have to have physical bars around you to be in prison. There are a lot of people today that are free physically, but they're, but they're in prison emotionally. They're in prison spiritually. They're in prison uh, uh, financially. They're in prison uh, relationally. And if we're not careful, that, that being in prison will, will, uh, will keep us from doing what God wants us to do. Psalm 143. I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but this is a psalm of David. Go down with me in verse number 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. You know what David's saying? David said, listen, Lord, there's some things I remember. I remember what you've done. You see, when you get overwhelmed, it's a good thing to remember. Remember the work of His hands. Remember what God has done. Remember the blessings of God in your life. And we need to remember. He says in verse number 6, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty uh, land. Selah. Verse 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Watch this if you mark in your Bible. First two words of each verse. Hear me. Cause me, deliver me, teach me, quicken me. God writes his own sermons, by the way. Right here in the Bible, it says, listen, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to live. Our danger, listen to me, our danger when we get overwhelmed is doing nothing. That's the danger. The danger is sticking our head in the sand and saying, okay, well, it's just, a, I give up. We throw up our hands and we absolutely do nothing. And if you do nothing, listen, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every single time. If you do nothing, you are going to get, not better, but you are going to get more overwhelmed in your lifetime. Because things aren't going to stop happening. We live in a world... Have you, have, have you read the book of Genesis? If you've never read the book of Genesis, I, 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 uh, I encourage you to go back. Read the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. Do you know, to have an understanding of the rest of the book of the Bible, you need, books of the Bible, you need to have an understanding of the beginning of the Bible. God created, right? You want an easy verse to remember? In the beginning, God created, right? He created the heaven and the earth. Praise God, God created this earth. And He created this earth perfect. It's a perfect environment. He created man. How did He create man? Perfectly. Matter of fact, He took the dust of the ground, and He formed man, He breathed His own breath into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul. Perfect. And then He gave him dominion over the animals, and then He, and then he saw that 
that it wasn't good for man to be alone. I'm glad God saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Guys, remember that. He findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. And so, so what did he do? He, he put Adam to sleep and he, and he took a rib and he made Eve and they were perfect. They had free reign over the, uh, over the garden except. Boy, we just, have a, we just have trouble with the except. We have the trouble. I mean, I'm telling you, I can't even imagine the trees. Can you imagine them? I have a hard time imagining them. I mean, we're talking about this imperfect environment. You know all the trees were full of fruit. I even imagine, I don't know if this is go this far, but I even imagine you, 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 you pluck the fruit and another fruit comes into its place. I mean, you're talking about a perfect environment. It's one tree. One tree. And so just don't partake of this one tree. But I'm here to tell you, Satan is real. He wants to deceive you. He wants to hurt you. He wants to overwhelm you. And he come and he deceives Eve and Eve partakes of the fruit and, 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 then, uh, uh, and then Adam uh, uh, partakes of the fruit and, and the entire human race is plunged into sin. Can I tell you the problems we have in this world aren't God's problems. They're man's problems. We brought these things upon us because of our sin. And so when we get overwhelmed, it's, sometimes it's, it absolutely amazes me. And really, I say this all the time, it started all the way back in the beginning. To have an understanding of the beginning will help you to understand the rest of the Bible. So, they partake, right? God finds out. By the way, God always finds out. I mean, you can't hide from God. We've learned that throughout the Word of God. And the, but they try, right? And, and, they, and, they, and they say, uh, and what does Adam say? God, you know that good thing you gave me? It turned into a bad thing. Is that, is that what he said? It's the woman thou has given me. He wasn't blaming Eve, by the way. He was blaming God. What was he saying? He was saying, God, if you never gave me her... I wouldn't have sinned. I mean, that's what he was saying. And can I tell you, we've been doing it ever since. God, I'm overwhelmed because you didn't. And you didn't. And you didn't give me. And you didn't. And I prayed for this. And no, I'm Lord, Lord, if you would have just give me that Cadillac I prayed for. And you know, that's often the case. Lord, listen, Lord, I got into $45,000 worth of credit card debt. I prayed and you didn't erase it all. I mean, these are the things that we get mad at God, right? I mean, because we get overwhelmed. And when we get overwhelmed, often, let me give you an example of what we do. Tell me this isn't true. I mean, we're at work. Our boss is a jerk. He yells. He screams. He treats you like dirt. Somebody else gets a pay raise that you, that you deserve. Somebody else gets a position that you deserved. I mean, you do all the grunt work. You go above and beyond and nobody recognizes it. But you don't ever say nothing to the boss. You don't say anybody anything. word. What do you do? You come home and yell at the kids. Scream at the wife. You know why? Because you're frustrated. And it doesn't even have to mean that you're frustrated with the person that you're 
that you're yelling at, the person that you're overwhelmed, it's because you got overwhelmed. You get overwhelmed in one area, guess what happens? It overtakes, our, it overtakes everything in our life. And we begin to get overwhelmed in every area of our life. But David says that someone that had been overwhelmed said that there's a way out. You, we, listen, I'm, I'm looking for the rapture. Praise God. I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs that Forrest sings. And, and I'm telling you, I am absolutely excited. The, we're going through, by the way, Wednesday nights. I encourage you to come. We're going through um, the uh, coming events and prophecy on, on, on Wednesday nights. And, and uh, we talked about the rapture. What is the rapture? It's the next event on the prophetic calendar. It's the next thing that's happened, the rapture of the church. God's people are going to go up, and we are not going to be part of the tribulation period. Read the book of Revelation and praise God that we're not going to be part of the, tri- of the tribulation period. And so God's going to take us out of here. And listen, I say it all the time. There's going to be no more sin. There's going to be no more sorrow. There's going to be no more sadness. There's going to be no more Satan. There's going to be none of those things anymore. We're going to have new bodies. Man, that knee that causes you trouble all the time, your back that hurts. Now, some of us, the only time you hurt is when you wake up, you know, and then when you go back to bed, and then if you're lucky, if you can go to sleep at night, you know, so your back and your knees and your hips, and, and, we, re, and we replace them and we fix them and we do, but this body is temporal. It's temporal. We're getting a new body. And what a day that's going to be. I mean, you want to talk about rejoicing. Think about the future. But I want you to know something. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. You ever took a traveling trip with your kids when they were young? We're almost there. We're almost there. Be quiet. We're not there yet. You'll be the first one to know. We'll pull in. We'll be there. We're not there yet. Listen to me, church. We're not there yet. So what do we do until then? Just, can I tell you that's what a lot of Christians have done? Can I tell you that's what a lot of churches have done? They've just thrown up their hands and given up. But God has got us here. Do you believe this? I I believe this with all my heart. You remember when Mordecai told Esther, maybe God's got you here for such a time as this. You know what Mordecai was telling her? He was saying, listen, and it's not going to be easy. We can attest to the fact that it's, that it's not easy. I remember our kids now are all are grown. Our youngest has now turned 18. She's graduating this year. And uh, uh, Anna, that's in college, will be 22, and Kyle will be 24. And so um, we got all old kids. And I remember when I was, our kids were little. And I thought to myself, man, I bet this is going to get easier. And then they got a little bit bigger, and I thought, maybe, maybe when they reach the teenage years. That was it. I didn't think anything after that. I mean, what in the world have we done, right? Who has taken over our children? Oh, we got good kids, and I'm thankful for it. But, you know, it, gets, it doesn't get easier. It gets harder. And life doesn't always get easier. Sometimes it gets harder. And what do we do? We don't give up. We deal with what God sends our way because God has got us here for such a time as this. How do we, how do we deal with an overwhelmed spirit? Let me give you a, 
uh, a couple ideas for you to think about uh, uh, from the Word of God when it comes to dealing with this um, this overwhelmed spirit. Number one, uh, if we're going to deal with an over, overwhelmed spirit, we need to count our blessings. We need to count our blessings. You know, sometimes we um, are guilty of counting um, all of our problems, all of our difficulties. I bet you I could take a mic right now and I could, and I could go around to, to, to any adult and say, just, just give me one recent problem and they wouldn't have to think too hard. I mean, I mean honestly, we all go through issues. We all go through problems. We have to be careful um, that we're, I call it the Elijah syndrome, that I'm the only one, and nobody else has these, nobody else has these problems, and, and um, we go to pouting. We're pretty good at that. I mean, we started when we were little, and I, you know, most of us haven't stopped. I mean, at some point, we maybe find a little juniper tree somewhere and go to pouting about, oh, woe is me. I have it so difficult. Do you know in life... I've figured this out through the years that life's about perspective. Because I can look at some people and I can say to myself, man, I got it way worse than she does. I mean, why does, why does she have the blessings and why does she have this and why does he have this? And man, my life's difficult compared to his. But you know, I can also, without much trouble, look at somebody and say, I have it way better than he does. I'm in way better shape than she is. You know, sometimes I think life's about perspective and how we're looking at it and where we're looking at it and when we're looking at it. It's interesting to me. It's interesting to me that, you know, at, at a young age, we don't really think much about our health. We really don't. We eat what we want. We do what we want. I remember growing up as a kid, I'm telling you, I... I, I, I rock climbed, I, 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 uh, I, I dove off of, 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 of mountains, I bungee jumped, I, listen to me, I won't even, I won't even ride a fair ride now. Used to, I didn't think about that. Now I look in and I look at the, the cats that are putting those things together, I'm thinking to myself, hmm, what if they left a bolt out? And I don't know how that works. I'm just saying. I, I think about things now more than ever before. I mean, I'm not bungee. Are you kidding me? Bungee jump now? Forget that mess. I'm not even getting up there, let alone jumping. Things change as we get older, don't they? And as we get older, I think we get, I think we get smarter. But as we get older, sometimes I think we forget that we're older now. Our body don't work quite like it used to. You do know how you know you're getting old, right? So when you drop something on the ground and you go down to pick it up and you look around to see if there's anything else you can do while you're down there, (laughs) you don't want to to go back down there again, right? So we're all getting old. Our bodies are breaking down. This body isn't meant to last forever. You know that, right? I mean, this shell, I'm talking about this shell. We will last forever. But this shell does not. And sometimes I think we get to the point where we say, oh, woe is me, because 
I have aches and pains and because I can't remember, because I can't do this and because I can't do that. And we forget to remember the blessings of God in our life. When you go to recount what's happened in your life, always start with the blessings. Don't start with the problems. Because the problems will overwhelm you, but so won't the blessings. When we begin to think about how God how good God is to us. Ephesians chapter 1. Let me read this verse to you. Verse number 3. Ephesians 1 and verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Wow. Who has blessed us. Who's made a difference in our hearts and in our lives. Count your blessings. Look with me in two verses here in Psalm 142 and 143. Psalm 142 in verse number 7. The scripture says, Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about for thou hast dealt bountifully with me. You know what David's saying? With all the trouble, with all the problems, with all the overwhelming spirit, let me tell you something. God, you've been good to me. You have dealt bountifully with me. I mean, to remember who God is is a key to dealing with this overwhelmed spirit that we can have in our lives. Psalm 143 and verse 5, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse. That's the, that's the, that's the same word as meditate. I muse on the work of thy hands. Let me tell you what David said. Lord, I'm going to concentrate on what you've done. I'm going to concentrate what you've done, what you're doing, what you're going to do for me in the future. When we begin to think about God and who God is and what God's done, it ought to bring a smile to our face. Some people, let me tell you something. I think some people's face is broken. You know what my mama used to tell me all the time? Keep your face like that. It's going to freeze and be like that forever. You ever say that to your kids? Or your mom ever say that to you? Hey, listen, I always tell mom, mom, you're crazy. And I thought, she says it so much, maybe it's true. And now that I'm older, I'm thinking to myself, maybe it was true. Because I'm telling you, some people, they absolutely refuse to smile. Now, I'm not telling you that your personality should change. I'm not telling you that you should be somebody else. But I'm here to tell you, if you never have something to smile about, there's a problem. Because I'm going to tell you something. When I think about God, it brings a smile to my face. When when Forrest went to singing that song, man, it brought a smile to my face. Why? Because it brought to me remembrance of what God said He's going to do one day in the future. Man, I'm telling you. God is good, and He is good all the time. And we need, when we begin to get overwhelmed, and I'm telling you, sometimes it may be every day. We begin to be overwhelmed. Let's take a break. Let's stop. That Hebrew word that we see in the Psalms, that word selah, it means to stop. That word muse, that word meditate, it means to chew over. It means to think about what God has done for you. Count your blessings. What blessings? I mean, what are you, 
I mean, what blessings you, but preacher, what blessings are you talking about? Well, if you need to be reminded, there might be an underlying problem. Because as we think about the blessings of God, we think about the blessings of salvation. God saved us. In case you don't know this, you can't save yourself. An angel in heaven can't save you. A person cannot save you. Eternally and everlastingly and forever, only God through the person of Jesus Christ can save your soul. We're all deteriorating. You realize that? This world's not getting better. This world's getting worse. Matter of fact, God said it's going to wax worse and worse and worse. When you turn on the news, listen, when I turn on the news, I put earplugs in and something over my eyeballs so I don't have to watch it or listen to it. Bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. And Christian people are going, I can't believe it. Why can't you believe it? Things aren't getting better. Listen to me. You're not bringing in the kingdom. Listen. Reality check, folks. Things aren't getting better and then a kingdom's going to come. No, things are waxing worse. There'd be no kingdom if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. And in this world, there'd only be an overwhelming spirit. And in this world, there'd only be uh, uh, terrifying moments and, and terrible moments if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, we have hope. We have hope. We have hope in this world because of Jesus Christ. We have hope in the next world because of Jesus Christ. You see, we're all, we're all going to die. It's appointed unto men once to die. We don't like to talk about it. We're not, we're not big fans of funerals. We're not big. Why? Because when you go to a funeral, you have to think about death. But I'm telling you, death is common to all men, barring the rapture of the church. Now, a rapture might happen tomorrow. And if you're saved and know Christ is your Savior, you're going up. Praise God. Right? You're not going to see death. But barring the rapture, we're all going to see death at some point. And I'm telling you, if all you think about is death, and all you think about is this world, and all you think about is our government, and all you think about is politics? Man. Talk about depressing. Talk about, yeah, it, that's an easy way to get overwhelmed in your spirit. I'm not saying that to never watch the news. I'm just telling you, you better get a balance. And if you watch the news, you better read your Bible a lot. You got to read your Bible a lot anyways, but I'm telling you, you better offset what you're watching on the news with the Word of God because we're so easily overwhelmed. The blessing of salvation. The blessing of salvation. Let me give you these four things when it comes to salvation. And really, the ultimate question is, are you, are you saved? And unfortunately, we're living in a day today where that means something different. To different people and it means something different when it comes to different churches but what is our litmus test what do we go by we don't go by 
somebody's constitution and bylaws. We don't go by what some theologian wrote in a book. We go by the Word of God. So what does the Word of God say when it comes to salvation? And the question is, have you done what God said do for salvation? Because if you haven't, I'm here to tell you, if you're sitting here this morning and you know not Christ as your personal Savior, you're playing a very dangerous game. Very dangerous game. Because we have absolutely no idea. Death is no respecter of age, and it's no respecter of persons. I wish I could say, you're going to live to be 100. Listen. You, you may live to be 100. You may not live past tomorrow. Now, I know that sounds very macabre, but that's the facts of the matter. And when it comes to salvation, let me give you these four things. Number one, when it comes to salvation, it's finished. There's nothing you have to do. John 19, verse 30, Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished. He didn't say we're about there. He didn't say it's almost done. He didn't say I did my part. Jesus said it is finished. What does that mean? It means it's complete. It means there's nothing else that has to be done. You don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to be baptized for your salvation. You don't have to be a part of a church to be, uh, to be saved. Do you understand something? When I got saved and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I was not in the church. How many people? How many people here... This morning, you got saved and you were not in a church service when you got saved. Several. Several. Let me tell you something. A lot of you probably were at home. Maybe mom and dad led you to the Lord. I was on a USS Jack Williams, a guided missile frigate. When I, when I bowed my head, I wasn't in a church. Matter of fact, I didn't even have a, a, a Christian around me. Matter of fact, it was the cesspool of iniquity that was around me. And I bowed my head and I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And when I got up, I got saved. I was saved when I got up. And I'm telling you, from that day to this, I'm no more saved than I was that day. Now I'm changed. I'm different. I've grown in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But just because I'm a pastor doesn't make me more saved than anybody else. See, Jesus Christ finished it when He died upon the cross, was buried, and He rose again the third day. And the Bible says that He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. It's finished. Number two, not only is it finished, but it's free. Free? Don't you like free things? Aren't you skeptical of free things? I have a tendency to be skeptical of free things. Matter of fact, anybody's giving something away free, I walk away. No, nine times out of ten, I want no part of it. Why? Because it's probably going to cost me more if I, more than if I just went out and bought it myself. Free. But I'm here to tell you, when we're talking about salvation, we're talking about free. At no cost to you. You see, free, understand this, if you buy me a Bible... If you want to buy me one, just come see me. I got a list of several I want. But if you bought me a Bible, right, and you gave it to me, 
And you said, listen, this is a gift that I'm giving to you. And I take that from you. That, that, that gift, that Bible was free, right? Free, but it was free to me. Just because it's free doesn't mean it didn't cost somebody something. And the person that purchased the Bible and gave it to me, it cost them whatever the Bible cost. Though it cost me nothing. I want you to understand, it cost Jesus everything. He died a horrific, terrible death on the cross. Shed His perfect, sinless, innocent blood. Was buried and then He rose again the third day. It cost Him everything. But it's free to us. Jesus Christ made a way. Can I tell you this much? Jesus Christ made the way. Matter of fact, in John chapter 14, they were beginning to get an overwhelmed spirit. Remember the disciples? They were beginning to get an overwhelmed spirit. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Don't don't get overwhelmed is what he's saying. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. All right, now they're starting to get excited, right? You want to prepare a place for us? If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. All right? Hands up. Hey, hey, I got a question. Right? Got a question. What's the question? How in the world can we know the way? Isn't that a good question? You're making this place. You're preparing this place. You're telling us you're going to come back. How do we get there? Jesus said this in verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus made it clear. He didn't muddy the waters. He said, listen, I am the way. There is no other way. He is not a way. He is the one and only way. That's what that definite article, the, means. He is the one and only. It is free. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It's finished. It's free. It's forever. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have how, how long? Everlasting life. It's life forever. It's life eternal. It's life everlasting. God is not the kind of God. Do you remember the commercial that came out? I don't even remember what the commercial was. Maybe it was uh, insurance or I can't remember what it was. It was stupid. All commercials are stupid, by the way, in case you didn't know that. But it, but it was a fisherman. Do you remember it? And he had a dollar dangling at the end. And they go to grab it. And, and they, they pull it back. Aren't you glad God's not like that? Aren't you glad God didn't say, all right, here's the free gift. Go ahead and take it when you go to take it. I was just kidding. Aren't you glad God's not like that? God's not, listen, let me tell you what the scripture says. God's not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. God's faithful. And whatever God says he's going to do, he does. And can I tell you this morning, I know I'm saved not because I always feel like I'm saved. Be careful. Listen to me. Be careful. We're all different emotionally. We're all different emotionally. My wife can watch a Hallmark commercial and cry for an hour. 
<clears throat> I can watch, you know, Lassie and not cry. I mean, it, it, I, it, it, I can watch an entire movie and not cry. It doesn't matter. It don't, doesn't bother me. We're different emotionally, right? But if you, if you take everything you believe and you hitch it to your emotions, you're on, you're you're in for one heck of a roller coaster ride in life. Because it's up been down. Sometimes you're on the mountaintop, sometimes you're in your valley, sometimes you're overwhelmed, and I'm telling you, it gets on you, and gets on you, and gets on you, but I'm telling you, I'm saved this morning, you're saved this morning, and you're saved forever if you're truly saved. Let me give you the last one. It's finished, it's free, it's forever, it's a fresh start. 2 Corinthians 5, right? Remember that verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? Man, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God's made all things new. I remember after I got saved, <clears throat> there's a lot of things I had to learn. But I remember getting up from my rack. I remember thinking to myself, man, that burden that I was carrying is gone. I, mean, I, I just felt like if you're in the military and you ever carried a pack and you had to run with a pack and you got to where you had to go and you took that pack off and you're like, you ever been hiking? You had to carry it. You take that thing off and you feel like, whew, you feel relieved. After you get saved, after you trust Christ as your Savior, you, you feel that, that relief from that burden that was bearing you, that was, uh, that was holding you down. And now we're set free. And now we're set free, but we're confused. Because God never sets you free to do whatever you want to do. Boy, are you... You're in for a rude awakening if you believe that. God has set you free so that you could serve Him. God has set you free so that you can, you can fulfill the purposes of God in your life. Because now we have freedom in Jesus Christ. Because if the Son will make you free, then you're free indeed. But you're not free to go sin. You're not free to go spend your life the way you want to. You're now free to take the life that God has given you. Old missionaries made this statement years ago, and it's just been a, a quote that preachers have been using ever since. Only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. It's a fresh start. We need to take that fresh start and use that fresh start for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you this morning if you're a good person. I'm not asking you this, this morning if you're a member of a church or you've been baptized or confirmed. I'm asking you this morning if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ. Because if you haven't, it's time to get serious. If you haven't, now is the time. The scripture says now is, now is the acceptable time. Today's the day of salvation. Why does the Bible say that? Because we might not have tomorrow. We, we might not get to tomorrow. So we need to take care of business in the today. You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm 